Welcome to the Trade Table on SIN 90.7 for all you need to know about the trade and free agency period powered by AFL-TRDON. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the trade table or follow us on Twitter at the trade table. Hello and welcome back to the trade table. It's a pleasure to have your company on this Thursday afternoon. I've got a couple of very, very excited colleagues and mates here. Dan, how are you feeling? Well, mate, it's the start of the trade table draft edition. The draft I'm table. Getting, yeah, the draft table. We might have changed the whole page name. I'm getting very excited. How about you, Hub? Yeah, we've had a bit of a break. Um, I think about two weeks since we've last been on. Um, yeah. But yeah, not long, not long to go until the draft now. So <coughs> can't wait to get into it. Very exciting. Back from our long hiatus. And uh, let's, <laughs> let's, let's kick it off, off with uh, what are we most looking forward to in the lead up to the draft? Dan, I'll start with you, mate. Well, I tell you what, I, I love seeing all the players, you know, do the, the interviews, they, especially on AFL.com, see all of them, like you see all the s- different stories, different backgrounds. A couple of years ago, we had like an Alir Alir story where he's come mm. from his home country and now he's playing AFL. We've had, you know, even this year with Aiden Bonner, two knee Ricos, and he is likely to be a top 20 pick. So just all those different stories, the things that you don't know and then you hear about in this lead up, I love it. Harry, what about you, mate? Yeah, well, just the anticipation now. You know, like, the race is pretty much won and run in, in probably in the club's mind, and there's not much more to do. The clubs have probably worked out just um, what they think they're going to do. Um, there might be, you know, a few more meetings left to go just to finalise some things, and, and obviously things will change on draft night. Um, but it's just anticipation now. It's just we're, we're waiting, the players are waiting, and it's just um, we'll wait to see what happens. Yeah, there's, you know, 80-plus or... You know, probably seventy kids just wanting to know where they're where they're playing next year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the exactly. future holds. It's it's an exciting time for you know the viewer and also the people who are getting drafted, obviously. Yeah, and I'm excited about the hype around the number one pick this year. Uh, I love it when this happens when it's a bit up in the air. We don't know. It's between probably between Davies, Uniac and Rayner at this stage, but we don't know who's Brisbane going to take, yeah. so I'm really looking forward to... The go-home factor as well. It's an interesting well. one yeah, where exactly. we probably think that Cam Rayner is probably the best player in the pool, but um, Davies, yeah. Uniac might be a little bit more likely because of the country factor. And we'll certainly touch on that later when we look at the top 10 selections. That's uh, right. We'll all have our, you know, who's going to be picked up, sorry, who's who are they going to select and who do we think deserve is deserving of that pick. So stay tuned for that. Now, we're lucky enough to be joined by Rai Gresham. Rai Gresham, Northern Knights Talent Manager. Rai, thanks for joining us. No, no worries at all, boys. Great to be on. Um, Nick Caulfield's been talked about in top 10 calculations. Do you mind telling us a little bit more about him? Yeah, uh, Nick, was, Nick was our captain this year at the, at the Northern Knights. Um, he uh, he had an outstanding year, not only with with the Northern Knights and the TSC Cup competition, but, but obviously with Vic Metro and the national championships as well, where he earned all Australian honours um, for a fantastic carnival. I think he finished fourth in their best and fairest, and and um, he finished second in our best and fairest with only playing the fourteen the fourteen games. So yeah, Nick had an outstanding season, and and uh, probably to be honest, couldn't have done. Much more from an on-field point of view with his football and, and off the field, he was he was outstanding as well. He was a, a great captain for the Northern Knights. He really led the team. Probably won us a couple of games and boot with some individual um, And Nick was almost four. Um, hey, Ryan, how you going? 
Um, how does how does um, Caulfield stack up against all the under eighteen talent that you've sort of seen? You've been at the Knights for the last two years, um, but how does the, how does Caulfield stand up against um, sort of all the other ta- talent you've seen? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I think um, I've only been in this role for a you know, relatively short period of time compared to, I guess, some of the other talent managers in the regions. But I think Nick's as talented as, as any player in my time in the last two two years at the Knights. Um, he pro- probably the, the thing that sets him apart is he doesn't have too many holes in his game. He's he's 190 centimetres, but um, athletically he's, he's unbelievable. He, he's was in the top five for the speed in the TAC Cup. Um, he's got a, a quality sidestep which um, would stack up at, at AFL level. Um, he's got a good mix of contested and uncontested ball. And I think uh, in the first half of the season he had the highest kicking efficiency out of every player in the, the TAC Cup. So you know you put all those traits together, um, and you've got a pretty pretty special talent. And all the uh, all the key I guess areas that you need to be a quality AFL player. Um, Nick ticks every box. So. He's uh he's a pretty special talent and um, yeah we we would probably you know if we're picking anyone in the draft to have been our captain this year he'd be right up there with, with the best of them. Uh, g'day, right, uh, Dan here. Um, Patrick Nash is almost a certainty to go father son to the Tigers. Tell us a little bit more about him. Yeah, Pat's a uh, Pat's a quality kid. He, he um he's full of energy and he's uh, he's always got a smile on his face. He. Uh, he probably wasn't in at the Knights um, you know, as much as people would have thought. I think he, he only played six games this year because he had commitments with the, the AFL Academy where he played two games um, with the best of the best in, in their teams and, and played two quality games at the MCG and Eddie had. Uh, he played all four Vic Metro games um, and along with Nick was an All-Australian Honours and uh, and he also had a quality season for Ivanhoe Grammar getting them to, to the grand final, which was... You know, both Harrow and I we, we're cheering on the Hoers in the in the grand final there, both being old boys. But um, yeah, so he came in and played the six games with us. He he performed really well. Um, he he played some outstanding games. I think his game in round two against Sandy, he almost dragged us over the line against the best team. Um, in round round seventeen against Murray was probably the best half of footy I've, I've seen from a TAC player. Um, kicked three goals. He he had twenty touches and and he just came to play that day. Uh, back in his hometown of, of Wangaratta. So he's pretty special. Um, probably something that doesn't get talked about as much is his running ability, his, uh, his GPS numbers and his high-speed efforts and, and game-day endurance is as good as as good as good you know pretty much everyone, um, bar a few in, in the TAC Cup. And that was across the, the TAC Cup and the Nationals as well. So um, everyone sort of sees his, his kicking and his ability to to kick goals from all angles, but what they don't see is his, his work rate on game day to, to get up and down the field, which is obviously a really key feature um, needed in the AFL. And, and you look at a team like Richmond and, and their, what their forwards are able to do with their pressure and their game day running numbers, and, and Patrick uh, Patrick's well on the way to, to becoming someone that can do that. Um, right, where do you see Naishi playing his best footy on the goal? What position do you think would fit him best? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. He's still got a bit of size to put on, and, and he uh, he admits that he's put on a little bit of physical size this year. But, but uh, definitely in the outside roles in the, in the first couple of years, a bit of wing. Um, he's, he's he's certainly dangerous at half forward because he's got a he's got that unique ability to mark the ball one on one and turn his body and, and protect the drop of the ball. And um, he's a really good mark for his size. 
Um, with his running ability, he can play that half-forward role, which is really, really demanding, and, and hit the scoreboard as well. So probably early on, um, you know, wing, wing half-forward. Um, and as as, uh, as he gets a bit bigger and stronger and, and builds on his frame, uh, he could potentially go into the midfield as well. He's, he's pretty versatile, though. He has played as a back um, in the TAC and the national championships as well. So it's really up to, I guess, the needs of the club and, and where they see him. Um, right, Jack Petricelli is another name that's um, been talked about as a potential top 20 or 30 pick. Um, he's only um, He only came to the Knights halfway through last year, um, played a couple of games at half forward um, last year as well. Um, can you tell us a bit about how far he's come in the last year and a half and, and sort of w- uh, where he's come from? Yeah, so probably um, I think with Jack, he did play a lot of footy as a junior and I think the story has grown a little bit leg, little bit of legs that he's just come across from basketball. But he played some really good junior footy with with the Epping Football Club as a junior. Um, kicked a lot of goals up until he was sort of 13, 14 years old, and then turned his attention to to basketball from there. Uh, we were really fortunate that he decided to give football another go midway through last year, and uh, we brought him straight into the program. He kicked three goals in his first game against Oakley, and we realised we had a pretty special talent on our hands um, what he's been able to do in, in a short period of time um, you know, coming in and doing his first full pre-season at this level and competing with the best and you know, playing in the national championships playing in the Tech Cup and and, uh, and at times looking like you know, one of the best players in the competition uh, has been unbelievable so the upside that he's got in what, and you know, what he's been able to show in his short period of time playing high level footy is, is pretty exciting um, so, we, yeah, we, we're just delighted that he chose football and it's been a pleasure to have him in our program. Yeah, he's certainly got plenty of X Factor. Well, uh, we love a, a, a Smokey here at the trade table. Who's a, a Smokey <laughs> from the Knights that uh, people aren't really talking about? Yeah, it's, um, we've actually had a pretty good year in terms of you know players making the big Metro squads, uh, players being talked about as, as potential draft players. So we've probably got a number of players that are are being looked at pretty closely by by the AFL clubs. The, the three guys we've spoke about, I think, are, are really good chances to go, obviously, and have had quite a bit of attention. Uh, we've got Ethan Penrith, who who's a really consistent player with us. He's, he's played national championships as well. He, he's been spoken about a little bit, but probably one that hasn't been spoken about as much is, um, is Mark Baker. Uh, like Jack, Mark came into the program um, for the first time full pre-season and season this year. He's 195 centimetres. Um, he trained all pre-season as a, as a tall forward, um, but then with a, a couple of weeks out from the season, we, we trialled him as a, as a tall defender and he really came on and, and showed what he could do. Um, he's extremely athletic. He ran. He just recently ran a 304 at the state combine for the 20-metre sprint. So as a, as a 195 centimetre um, tall developing player who's still getting more powerful and growing into his body. That's an exceptional time for for the sprint. Uh, he tests really well in all the endurance tests. Um, so he's got he's got those AFL abilities with his long arms and his closing speed to to play as a tall defender. Um, he's extremely courageous in the air for a, a lighter bodied player. So I'm um, I'm really excited about Mark. What you know what he may be able to achieve if he's given the opportunity by an AFL club. And I think. If a club's willing to to um, take a player that's still got a couple of years of development in them and, and invest time into them, I could see him being a quality AFL defender um, 
down the track. Uh, would some, would clubs be interested in someone like Jamison Shea? He didn't um, play Vic Metro. He tried out and didn't make the final list. Um, but he played some good senior footy for um, for Footscray. Kicked kicked a lot of goals um, as a small forward. Um, uh, playing as a 19-year-old at the Knights. Would clubs be interested in someone like him? I think uh, I think the great thing about Jamo is what you see is what you're going to get. And, and we were really pleased that he started the year really well as a, as a 19-year-old overage player with us. He put on seven kilos uh, in the off-season, which was his area of improvement. And the reason he came back as a 19-year-old is because, because he was a bit um, lighter-framed and... Um, we, we probably knew that he'd play well at TAC cut level, but what was most pleasing with Jamo was he was able to go up to the VFL and have an immediate impact against the men. Uh, he kicked two goals in his first VFL game um, as the 23rd player with Footscray and then backed that up with another two goals the following week. So um, with Jamo, he's super professional. Uh, he's probably the, the most natural leader and, and sees the game as, early, as well as anyone at the club. Um, so for club is interested in taking him. I think they know they're going to get a, a really professional player who'll come into a, a club, get the best out of himself, train really well, and and, uh, and you know improve in all areas of his game because he is so professional and, and he's so driven to do as well as he possibly can. Now, Rai, what are your thoughts on AFL Victoria scrapping the development league? Um, yeah, it's a, it's it's been a hotly debated topic. Um, I. Uh, I Used to work over at AFL Victoria in the in the talent department, and I, I did a little bit of work with the VFL and the TAC Cup from a health's point of view. So I guess what I do know is that um, AFL Victoria is in, in really strong hands with some uh, some high level thinkers and, and people that uh, that really care about the game. With Stephen Reaper in charge there, and Paul Hamilton and John Hook. So uh, I know that the the decision was pending for for two or three years, and um, they put a lot of time and effort looking at different scenarios about what's best for the the talent pathway and what's best for, for football, not only at the state league level, but community league level as well. So, um, you know, we really trust that they they make quality decisions what, uh, in the best interest of football in Victoria. Uh, I guess it means that, that there may be less opportunities for, for players exiting the TAC to come into the VSL pathway, but um, you know, certainly my message is to the players that if if you are good enough and you are willing to, to work hard enough at it, that opportunities will open up at VSL. And what it does do, it, it gives community clubs better access to, to their players who are in the VSL system. And if you miss out on a game on a weekly weekly basis with uh, with your VSL club, you can go and commit, uh, contribute really strongly to, to your local club. So uh, there's certainly you know ups and downs and, and benefits and pros and cons with the decision. But like any any major decision. Um, it's always going to be a factor. So time will tell how, you know, how it affects the TAC Cup, but um, I guess we'll just have to, to have to wait and see. And, and um, you know, we're really looking forward to, to a few of our boys that doing this out on the draft and really committed to their footy going down and playing some quality VSL football in, in the years to come. All right, right. thanks for joining us so much. Um, it's no surprise that the Knights had a good year. There's a lot of um, different chances to go in the draft, top end and um, towards the end as well. So thanks so much for, jo- uh, for joining us. No, no worries, boys. Good luck, uh, good luck for the rest of the show. That was Ryagishan, Northern Knights talent manager. Uh, very lucky to have him on. But now we're getting into our um, our projection for the top ten and also our prediction for the top ten. Oh, oh, this Here is the go. moment we've all been waiting for, isn't it? That was, uh, it was lovely to speak to Ryagishan, but, you know, this is the, <laughs> <laughs> the big part of the show. We'll start with pick one. 
Brisbane have pick one after finishing last last season. If you were Brisbane, who would you pick, Billy? Oh, this is why I was so excited because it is such a tough call. Um, it really could go either way. But for me, I just think based on what I've seen, I have to pick Davies Uniaki. I think he's the best player available. For mine, I just love the way he goes about it. Um, don't get me wrong, Rainer's a jet too. But um, it's splitting hairs. I think they'd both fit in really well to Brisbane's team. Both had a lot of excitement. But um, I love I love the way Davies Uniaki plays. Really, we'll go, we'll go around the table. Harrison, what do you think? Well, yeah, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Um, if you had asked me about a week ago, I would have said um, Davies Uniac, and I still sort of think that they, they'll go that way um, because of the country factor. I mean, it's not it's not as if it's just because of the country factor. I mean, mm. he's, he's clearly a top two, top three talent anyway. Um, but I'm starting to... I mean, I heard Chris Fagan speak yesterday. Um, I, I genuinely do think they believe that um, if they took Cam Rainer, they have a... They do have a good chance of keeping him up there. Um, but I just think, with the strategy they've been going with, if you, if you look at their list, I think before, they might have delisted a couple, and they, I think they delisted uh, Matthew Hamilton and a couple others, um, and they've lost Josh Shackey. So they lost a couple of country boys. But if you look at their list, there's so many um, big country boys. I just think they'll go with Luke Davies and Yaki. It's, it's a real tough one. I'm, it, I, love, I love both these boys. Cam Rayner, he has that you know dusty sort of you know class about him, like, he can, he's got that explosiveness. Good he can haircut, kick a goal. Oh, he's, yeah, he's got the dusty haircut Good as haircut. well. And, I mean, Davies Uniac is just your pure midfielder. He can, you know, win you 25, 30 touches a game, and he will, like, probably, you know, fill the, the void of a Rockcliffe in, mm. in years to come. Mm. I just can't, you know, deny the talent of Rayner, though. Even if, even if he gets, say, you know, 10, 15 touches in a game, he could kick two or three goals and win you the match. So... I, it sort of reminds me of that 2009 draft where there was, you know, Scully, Trengove, who were extremely talented you know, at that stage. They both obviously uh, moved on from the Ds now. And Dusty picked up at pick three. It has, you know, sh- this draft has shades of being like that with Paddy Dow and Luke Davies-Uniak being those, uh, you know, those bulls, those midfielders. And then Cam Rayner being, you know, that ultra-talented uh, mid-forward. Go, go forward. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly right. Um, but yeah, pick two is now possessed by the Dockers. What do yeah. we? Yeah, well, I think um, the way well, if the if the you know if pick one's going to go that way and they don't take Rayner, um, I wouldn't be surprised if Doc if the Dockers went for a similar um, strategy and went with Paddy Dow. Um, he's like been he's been compared to Dangerfield. Got extremely like uh, a burst of pace. Can get away from stoppages. Um, I mean, they'd they'd be so tempted to to take Cam Rayner if he's not taken already. Um, so that I'm sure they'll be interested to see what Brisbane do as well. But I think Paddy Dow might go number two. Right. You don't mm. think Davies Uniac or even a Adam Sarah will take that spot? Well, I had Davies Uniac at one, um, but I don't th- I don't see um, Chera going as high as two. Um, I think he, he's I think he could certainly be top five and even top four, but. Um, I don't see him going at two, no. So okay. you reckon they they might, you know, skip off uh, Rayner and go for Dow? I think, yeah. They'd be so tempted to, to go with yeah. Cam Rayner, but I think they may have a similar strategy to the Lions. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. And, I mean, there has been a little bit of conjecture of um, whether uh, Western Jets boy Rayner is a flight risk. I 
honestly don't see it as much as probably others do. I, I still think uh, it's, it's tough. I think you've got to pick either Davies Uniac or Rayner with that second pick. And I mean, especially after losing Lockie Weller for, for the Dockers, who would have molded, who would would eventually have gone into you know then to that midfield, you know, replay you know, with the likes of Fife and Neil. Yeah, I think you got to pick Davies and Yak. What about you, Bill? Yeah, no, I agree with you, Dan. Uh, now talking talking of Fremantle, the other side who have two picks inside the top ten are Carlton. Uh, is currently at pick three and pick ten. And also Saints as well with seven and eight. Yeah, of course. Sorry, yeah. Saint, seven and eight. No. Missed out on that one. That's no, okay. Um, okay, mate. <laughs> there's a lot to keep track of. Yeah, um, but what do you think Carlton are looking for in those two premium picks? Do, do you think there's a specific void that needs to be filled or do you think they're just going to run with the best player? It's really tough. I think you sort of got to go with the best available with the first pick. So I'd say they're either yeah. picking LDU... Dow or Rayner. With that pick 10, though, it, it depends who's there, really. Like, you know, you could end up snagging a Brayshaw with pick 10. They might look for a constable to a company um, who's an inside midfielder, you know, liken him to a Patrick Cripps mm. sort of type. Or they could go for a tall, like a Brandon, uh, Joe Brander. But, I mean, they've already got so many talls as it is, especially in the defensive end. Settle Brand- down. We're not up to pick 10 yet. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting there. No, no, but I'm just, I'm just saying, he asked me about Carl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think... I think um, I think generally... Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to... <laughs> I asked him about pick 10. What yeah. are you talking about? Sorry. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We'll settle whoa, down to whoa. you, Billy. No, whoa. I think generally the sort of rule of thumb, if you have one first-round pick, especially a top 10 pick, you sort of have no choice but to go with the best talent. But when you sort of have two, you had a, um, you do have a bit of an option to... Well, maybe we, we could feel, feel a bit of a void here, take a bit of a punt. Um, and I think that could happen as well. Um, pick three, if... Did you want to say something? Dan? Oh, no, I was just saying we're running out a bit of time, so we might just go with the, the top five. So we'll go the four and five. Continue what you're saying. Um, I think, yeah, I think if the two country boys, Uniac and Dow, are gone, certainly, certainly Carlton will take Camarena at three. Mm. And so, with no, that fourth on, pick now, North Melbourne. They were looking for that big fish north, during north. the during the, uh, the period. We had a post earlier about, uh, uh, you know, it being a bit of a wasteland for North <laughs> in the trade period. What do we reckon, guys? What do they yeah, need? The North need... I mean, I think Adam Cherry would be perfect for them. He's just that class midfielder, inside-outside balance. Um, that is what they need. Like, they need... They have inside balls, Cunnington, um, Swallow's gone, Dumont. But just that class midfielder, he fits in perfectly, Adam That's Chera. the thing. All of North Melbourne's midfielders are the same. They're that bullocking, hard type. They don't really have a lot of class on the outside. That's, they, they really lost that with Daniel Wells moving to the Pies. Jared, it speaks volumes that he's yeah. still in top five contention, considering he's been out for, you know, best part of the season with injury. I think he, you know, he just has that element of ball winning and class that could, that they really sorely need. Yeah, I agree. Um, he put together a really good year for both the Rangers and Wesley after that devastating knee injury. So it's a great story there in young Adam. Number five, boys. The Dockers have another one. They've been linked to Aaron Norton. That, yeah, I mean... And the tall defender. It's a little bit I'd it's a, little it's bit a bit naughty. high. Whether it's... <laughs> uh, I, I'd... Oh, gee, that's... that's <laughs> Turn it up, that's pathetic. <laughs> no, I'd be, I'd be surprised if they didn't go for Aaron Norton here. Um, could fit in well. Could play senior foot. He's played um, Waffle already. Mm. Um, WA boy, obviously. Yeah. So I'd be surprised if they didn't go with Aaron Norton. And he's played there. for their uh, Waffle side already in Peel Thunder. So he, you know, he's got mm. amongst the boys there and you know would fit in well for them, I reckon. Do you want to just quickly... Go one word answer for the next five picks. All right, sure. Pies. 
I'm going to say Brander. Yeah, I'll go with Jared Brander. P- pick seven for the Saints. Stevenson. Uh, yeah, I was... <laughs> just missed out on me. That's all right. That's all right. Um, yep, I'll go with Stevenson as well. Pick eight. I'm having Nick Caulfield. Yeah, Caulfield. Pick nine to the oh, Dogs. Brayshaw. Okay, Constable. Pick 10. Pick 10. I'm going to go Constable for Carlton. Brayshaw. So we have the same yeah. except the last two. And Billy, what about you? What are your thoughts? <laughs> oh, no. over there in the wilderness? No, nah, that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get his thoughts next week. Thank you very much for joining us. We'll wrap this up. That's been the first episode of the sleep, Trade man. Table Draft Edition. And Billy, you'd like to say a few words just to finish? Oh, no, nah, just uh, thanks for joining us. I might as well up and go. Clearly not wanted. Um, now, nah, stay tuned, though. In all seriousness, we've got a lot coming. Very excited 100%. in the lead up to the draft. Lots yeah. of lots of things to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. Catch you later. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Trade Table on Sin 90.7, the home of everything you need to know about the trade and free agency period, powered by AFL-TRDON. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the trade table or follow us on Twitter at the trade table.